We have, I've got David and Barbara Evans with me this morning. And uh, I know a lot of you know about their story or you think you know parts of it. But we're going we're gonna to sit and listen to them share this morning. Um, for those of you that may be new or, or maybe you're watching for the first time this morning, this is part of a four-week series we're doing called This Is My Story. And we are just highlighting testimonies in our church family at First Baptist Lindale where God has just done uh, miraculous things. And these are folks that when he laid this on my heart to do this, um, immediately uh, I had in mind the folks that I felt like the Lord wanted me to approach and say, hey, would you come and, and do this and, and with me? And uh, Barbara and David have graciously agreed uh, to do that. We had Jeff and Susan Colbert last week, and I know you guys have expressed to me just how grateful you were for their testimony and for, for their story. Um, Barbara and David's is um, is a little different uh, than than Jeff and Susan's, but in a in a, a, a very miraculous way. And as I did last week, I sort of got us started with a passage of scripture that that came to mind with Jeff and Susan and, and Barbara and David. Uh, the same thing. There was a passage that just kept going over in my mind when I thought about everything that the Lord has done in their life that you're going to get to hear this morning. And it's in Ephesians chapter three, a familiar set of verses, verses 20 and 21. It says, so now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, Barbara and David's story is a story of healing. It's a story of physical healing. And, and that is not that uncommon. Many of us probably have stories like that. We know people maybe in our family or, or friends or maybe even yourself. You may have a story uh, where God has done something miraculous, you feel like, either through uh, just the power of the Holy Spirit supernaturally um, bringing physical healing in some way or... Or maybe through a surgery or through uh, doctors and technology. We know that God uses those things to bring healing too. Um, but Barbara and David's is just a little, a little extraordinary uh, when it comes to all of God's miracles are extraordinary. But, but theirs is just, just really special. And so I've asked them to sit with me this morning um, and share. Because we believe as a church, I believe and I believe that we believe as First Baptist Lindale something about God and that God is a God who heals. Amen? You believe that? You believe that God is a God who, who brings healing. He's the same God of Scripture that we see. And when we look at the, story of, the stories of Jesus and the stories in the Gospels, Jesus' ministry was full of, of miraculous physical healings in people's lives. And we see that he did those, but... But Jesus' purpose in doing those physical healings were not just for the means of those physical healings. They were for something more. They were to reveal something greater about his character, who he was. And it was to reveal something greater about God to them. That they might experience something greater than physical healing. Um, and so we believe that if God did it then, he's the same God now. So he does it now as well. And, and, he, and he accomplishes that in lots of different ways. And, and Barbara and David's story is just very unique and it's, and it's very awesome. And uh, she is literally, if you don't know her, and, or maybe you've been coming to church here for a while and, and you've just never gotten to know them, you wouldn't know 
um, unless you heard her tell her story, that she is a literal walking medical miracle. And so um, thank you guys so much for agreeing to come and do this with me this morning. And so I just kind of want to let you guys start at the very beginning. Everything seemed to be relatively normal in your life until there was this one particular day where everything started off just like always. And then just all of a sudden, everything just went tragically wrong all at once. And you guys just found yourself in, in the midst of a, of a extreme crisis and so just, just start off, you, just, you guys just start from the beginning and you tell the story. Okay, sounds great. First of all, before I do this, when Eric, he called and asked us if we would do this, I was cutting grass, I was sitting out on the porch and just, you know, he told me and I'm thinking, yeah, this sounds really good, but I'll be petrified. You know, I, I'm a children's librarian and if, if y'all are little bitty short people, I'm fine. But if you're not a kid, I'm afraid to talk in front of you. So, but, and, and David was a little bit afraid too. But, but like a night or two later, I had a dream. And I dreamed you know, that my little daddy and my mom, my dad died in 1999, my mom died in 2018. I dreamed that the church was decorated differently, but David and I were sitting up here getting ready to speak. And I looked up. And my dad and mom walked in the door. My mom was in the walker. My dad was beside her. He was older. He was alive, though. He was fine. And, and they came walking up. And I took off, and I ran, and I met him. I said, Mom, Dad, why are y'all here? Y'all are sick. Y'all don't need to be here. And they said, we heard you were speaking, and you were going to tell your story. And we couldn't have you telling your story, talking about how God heals you without us being here. And I just... Instantly, I knew, you know, God, God wanted us to be here and, and to, share, to share this wonderful story. Um, the event happened December 5th, 2000, and Eric asked me to, you know, maybe to talk a little bit about what happened that day. I can't remember anything that happened that day or the day before. I know the weekend before, I love, 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 love Christmas, and I had gotten everything bought. He had not, but I was finished Christmas shopping, <laughs> and I had everything right. Well, no, I was wrapping that weekend, I know. And then Monday I went to work. Tuesday, I had story time, and I said the first, first service, I didn't remember what story time was, but Kim, Kim Welcher was working with me, and she said story time was pajama day. So we were dressed in pajamas all day long, so it was kind of interesting. But she said we had a crowd. We walked around the library and showed everybody our pajamas and da-da-da-da-da. So I was well. That evening I went to tennis. I love, love, love to play tennis. And we had, we had drills. Judy and Eddie Graham were there. Eddie was working upstairs. And when I walked in, he said something about, your face is so red. I don't understand why your face is so red. I didn't know. I didn't think anything about it. But, but we went on out to the tennis courts and started playing. And my favorite shot was an overhead. And apparently I went to hit the overhead. And at that point I literally died. I died on the tennis court. There was a doctor there playing tennis, and apparently he came, and, and he did CPR, and he, he got the heart rate going, and an ambulance came and took me immediately to the hospital. And I think Judy called my mom. I couldn't reach David, and nobody. Uh, during all this, I was on my way to my mom's house, her mom, uh, to drop the kids off so I can do my Christmas shopping. You know, she got it all done, but I had a little more to do. And just as I drove up, I could immediately tell something wasn't right. Uh, got the kids out, but Ann came running to me, get to the hospital, get to the hospital now. 
And so I got up there as quick as I could. Went to the emergency room. Tim Burnham was there, our pastor. And Keith Haney, Dr. Keith Haney. Uh, I found Barbara on a gurney in the emergency room. And you right away it wasn't good. Uh, I could just tell. I mean, it was it was it was bad. Uh, we during that time, I asked him to uh, call Barb's best friend. That's Terry Thompson. They've been like sisters for about 50 years now. And uh, and called her and her husband. They came to be with us. I didn't realize at the time, but it slowly dawned on me that as this progressed through the evening, more and more people were showing up at the hospital, at the medicine room. And we realized it was people from this church and people from other churches were coming. And I heard it described later on that there were so many people from this church and other churches that we could have had a revival that night at the hospital. It was, it was something. Uh, and, uh, during that time, they, they allowed people to go back uh, into the room to visit with me. Of course, I didn't know what was going on. But my mom went back. And she... Um, now, my dad had died the year before, and she was just very dependent on my dad. She, did, you know, and she was having a difficult, difficult time, so she got in there, and she just prayed and prayed. And she told me later on, right in the middle of that prayer, that God told her that I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, and she just, you know, she was just so relieved. And it's funny, after church, after church this morning, Kim came to me and said, your mom did. She said that, and she said she told me every day I'd go up there, y'all don't need to worry about Barbara, she's fine. God, God's told me that she's going to be fine, but it's funny. She went to DeSoto Park Baptist Church, and, and her pastor, Scott Lambert, who we just love, 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 he, 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 she kept telling him, Scott, y'all don't need to worry, Mom. Barbara's going to be fine. And Scott said, Miss Ann, I just, I, I believe you, but it's hard for me to understand that when they're saying she has a 2% chance of living and, you know, there's no activity. My mom never doubted, and afterwards she said, I knew that. God told me. So we serve a mighty God, mm-hmm. big time. So what you, what you found out, <clears throat> David, when you got to the hospital was what had happened to Barbara was uh, a, an aneurysm. Is that yes. right? It was a brain aneurysm. Uh, uh, it's been described. When you have a brain aneurysm, your blood vessel in the brain bursts or bleeds. If it bursts, uh, I've been told it will kill you. A brain bleed will still kill you, but... It's, it's not good. Uh, during that process, uh, she got her moved to ICU. And later that week, uh, they, were going to, they did a, for lack of a technical term, they did a brain scan to check on her brain patterns or wave patterns or see how they were functioning. During that time, Terry and Andy, they got me out of the hospital just to give me a break. And uh, after a short period of time, we came back to the hospital. We, uh, on the bottom floor, going into the elevator, as soon as the elevator doors opened, Barbara's friend, Pam Strickland Neely, 
she was jumping all over the, the elevator. She was just smiling, happy, and just singing. They got the results of the test. She has a, her brain pattern, brain pattern is good. And, uh, and everybody was happy about that. That was, that was a good sign. So they planned to have surgery, which they did later that week. And uh, Dr. Heron performed the surgery. The surgery wasn't easy. Uh, the, the, the condition was back in here. They had to go down this way. And uh, it was a difficult surgery. They did say she might not make it, uh, but she did. Yeah. And uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and from there, it was the recovery process. Uh, trying to get her through that, but she wasn't out of the woods yet. No. And uh, uh, we had our ups and downs. Uh, during that time, Barb's had a, uh, a seizure, which was serious, so they treated her for that. And uh, like I said, it was an emotional roller coaster. So some days that you mentioned last time, there'd be highs, hopeful, everything. And then you're down at the bottom. You don't know what's going to happen. And, and there was one day I was in ICU with her. I was leaving. I was hitting the bottom. And uh, I was very thankful that Elaine Lovely was there with me at the time. And all she could do was hug me. So, like your you guys' story that you've gone through, it's not just you know. Sometimes when you hear stories of, mm -hmm. of miraculous healing, people think, oh, it just went from being completely devastatingly bad to all of a sudden, you know, that that God brought healing and everything was great. But you guys really experienced a, a very up or down journey where things were bad. You got that first activity scan and, and there was brain activity where you thought there wouldn't be and that's very hopeful and then and then the the difficult surgery was hard and then the rehab through that was hard so it was it was very much an up or down thing and um and it i'm sure at times david it was probably hard for you to to hold on even though god was giving you little glimpses of what he was doing in barbara it was still very hard for your mind not to just go toward, wow, what if, what uh, if the worst happens? Yeah. Uh, I guess on the latter side, uh, Barb's loved uh, lemon drop cookies. And they were feeding her lemon drop cookies. Mm -hmm. They're also giving her milk. I'll let Barb's tell you about that. She was, she was guzzling it down. But... but <laughs> Uh, while all this was going on, our kids, Jamie and Josh, uh, Jamie told us that there was a, uh, as I understand it, a field trip going on. The bus with all the kids drove by the house, and all the kids waved at Jamie. And uh, Josh, our youngest, we weren't sure how it was affecting him, but he was in the first grade. And during a particular class, he got up and went up front and sat with the teacher. And the teacher uh, just let him do his thing, sat there with him. So our kids were coping. 
with this as and, we went. And during this time, you were experiencing, like you said, that night at the hospital. I, I remember Kim and I had, had not even come to First Baptist Lindale yet. We weren't a part of this church. Um, but because of Kim's relationship working with Barbara at the library, we knew you guys, loved y'all. And, um, and we got that phone call of what had happened, and Kim immediately left to go. I stayed at home with our kids, and, and she came up there. And, and she, her story to me when she finally came home that evening was you wouldn't believe the number of people who were there. And, they're all, and she said, we all prayed together in the, in the waiting room. And, and she talked about Tim being there. And um, one of her stories, those of you that remember Bill Pence, uh, Bill was like one of those men who, when Kim came in, um, you know, there were lots of people she didn't know, but he recognized that he, he just looked at her and said, you work with Barbara, don't you? And she said, yeah. And so he just immediately took her and he, he started ministering to her and just that there was all kinds of ministry going on all around you and, and you had no idea. And, but there was all of this stuff going on and this, this journey over all these weeks, this up and down um, thing. And then, um, but then there was a, a, a moment, I think, when, when you, you started to see, wow, this is, like, this is going to be a miracle. How, how did that go? Uh, I guess we're halfway through the uh, recovery process. It was on a weekend. Uh, I wasn't alone. There were still some families there because they have loved ones of their own in the hospital or ICU, and they were there. But I remember uh, looking down the hall. I was kind of sitting where I was. I see down the hall. I saw, uh, I assume he was a weekend doctor. Uh, I don't know his name. Uh, but as I described him, uh, as I can describe him, he was wearing blue jeans, a long white coat, a doctor's coat, cowboy boots, ponytail, long ponytail, and he was walking down the hall looking at Barbara's folder, and he kept it open, and he kept turning the pages and kept shaking his head, turning the pages, shaking his head, and see, and when he came to me and talked to me, he said, "There's no way she should be alive." No way. I mean, all the conditions, everything that happened, she should be dead. But that, that's when it began to hit. This was a God moment. Yeah, so you started getting testimonies. Not just, it wasn't just the church that was gathering around you, but you had medical doctors, professionals yeah. who were coming to you. Yeah. Unexplainable. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, not long after that... Christmas Eve, she was moved to a private room. And not long after that, she was moved to rehab. And on that first day of rehab, I was pushing her in the wheelchair. We, I pushed her into the room, got her turned around and all that. And then she looked at me. And boom. I said, David, where am I? And why am I in a wheelchair? And what is going on? <laughs> And he told me what had happened, and I was, I was amazed. You know, I went to pray. I was praising God. I, I still couldn't quite believe it. You know, I, I, I felt fine. You know, at that point, I, I don't remember going through all the pain. I, I don't remember any of that, that horrible stuff that he went through. I was, I was just totally out of it. So it was really, really, really amazing. But, but rehab was, oh, it was so helpful. They, they taught me so much. I mean, I, I couldn't walk at the time, and they were great with 
physical rehab. They also taught me things like how to get in the car and how to pay bills and, you know, how to have a relationship, you know, how to just, they just taught me everything and it was, it was fantastic. But one day, this is, this is a funny story. They, they kept bringing me milk. David said they kept feeding me milk and when I was, you know, in the ER or whatever, but, or, or ICU. I said, David, why do they keep bringing me milk? I cannot stand milk. <laughs> he said, you were drinking it like crazy when you went to you. I still don't like milk, though, so hey, what can we say? It, it was, it you was, needed the milk to go with the lemon drop I, I, cookies. Obviously, with those lemon drop cookies, you got it. it. Big, big, big time. But um, I don't know. I, I think I was in, I see, I mean, in, in rehab about two weeks. I left with a walker, and I remember... The first Sunday that we came to church after being in the hospital, oh, it was just overwhelming just to, to be in church, to be with, with God's people. And, you know, everybody was just so loving and, and appreciative. And it was, it was just a wonderful, 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 wonderful thing. Uh, being at home was, we actually adjusted well. You guys fed us like crazy, lots and lots of food. It was a good, good thing. Um, the, only, the, the main problem I had at this point, by this point I was using a cane. I, w I was doing fine. I was in rehab. Two or three weeks later I wasn't using anything. I was fine. But every now and then I would have a glitch and I would start to say something, you know, like squirrels in the road and it would come out, we need a new TV or something. I mean, I would just say something that made no sense. And, you know, David and I, we would laugh. He knew what was going on. But that didn't happen, but, oh, maybe two weeks or so, and then after that, everything seemed to be, to be A-OKO. So it, it was, you know, quite an experience, but a wonderful experience to be able to, to be alive and to, to see my kids graduate and get married and have my grandkids are with us this weekend and get to hang out with the grandbabies and, I don't know, we just serve a mighty, 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 mighty God. I'm just, I'm so grateful for his healing. And... So you, your, your first... I guess knowledge of what happened was was that moment when David was wheeling you into your private room. Exactly. And and, and you 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 felt okay. It was you, you literally just looked around and said, "What in the world am I doing here?" Exactly. I felt fine. My only problem was the surgeon apparently was not not at all a good beautician because I had no hair up here and it was ugly. <laughs> But no, I, I was, I absolutely, you know, I felt fine. I mean, I could not walk. I didn't have, you know, but it didn't take long for me to, to recover from that. So. And the doctors that night, David, that Barbara had to go to the emergency room and you were there, you guys had just found out the, when they came out for the first time and told you about her condition and what had happened, what was the percentage chance that they told you that she would survive this? They only gave her a 2% chance of living uh, they were pessimistic, you know. Yeah. They just did not expect it to happen. Uh, and you know, you think two percent. It's like, where does two percent come from? Mm -hmm. Like, because mm -hmm. yeah. in our minds, two percent is nothing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean yeah. that, and and so so many folks. But there were, um, you had a church of people who were gathered around you, not just that night, but but over the long haul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did. And they were praying, and we. And we are and, so. So grateful, and as, as we were coming home, we, we were coming past this way, we were driving past the church, and on the sign, I'm sorry, there was, it's okay. the sign said, welcome home, Barbara, we love you. I was just so overwhelmed and so, so blessed and so thankful that, that 
You know, this, this is my church and all these wonderful people. All of y'all prayed for us. We're just so grateful. But there's more to the story. There's definitely more to the story. As I said before, when, when you read about the stories in, in the New Testament of Jesus healing people, bringing, raising the dead, and, 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 and healing the sick and all those things, like this is, this is like a modern-day version of what, what we see. Now, he used doctors. He used medicine. He used all of those things. And we, we believe that when God heals, he uses whatever means he wants to. Um, that he uses doctors and technology to bring healing, but that also <clears throat> he can use the power of the Holy Spirit. And so anytime we, we pray for, for the sick around us or, or we have a situation like this, we, we pray very sincerely. And I, I, and I in the first service, made this, uh, made this point that I wanted to, to kind of add into the conversation a little bit. In Matthew chapter 8, um, there's a story of uh, some, a man with leprosy who comes to Jesus um, desiring to be healed of his leprosy. Um, but I think, the, and this one little story in, in Matthew's gospel, um, I think really motivates me to have the proper, um, the proper posture before God when we pray for healing. Because I think um, we are a church who believes in healing and we believe in praying for healing, but we also believe in the sovereignty of God. And we also believe in the fact that, that God is the ultimate authority over what happens. And, and we know that, that many of us have been in situations, some of you in this room have been in situations where you had a loved one that was in a serious condition just like this, and, and you prayed just like we did for Barbara. And... It, it may not have turned out the way it did for Barbara. Maybe, maybe it, was, it was their time and, and the Lord took them home. And that's sometimes hard to, to rationalize. Like why? And we start to ask questions like, well, why does God choose this to, to do that here, but he didn't choose to do that here? And, and I think we pray in faith, um, but with a, with a submission and a trust in Jesus that's similar to what this man expresses in verses 1 through 3. It says, when, he, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him saying, now look at the way he approaches Jesus. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing. <laughs> Be made clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I think part of the reason that Jesus in that moment chose to honor that man's request was because of the way he approached Jesus. There were many people who constantly were coming to Jesus begging him to heal them, to heal their loved ones, to, to, to do some miracle. The, the, the religious leaders even at times were, were just like taunting Jesus to say, hey, give us a sign, Jesus, do a miracle. But this man's approach was very different. Um, and I, I think it's unique to, to most of the other healing stories in the gospel because he comes and it's not an issue of can you heal me? Like he, he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And in saying that to Jesus, I think he was given Jesus permission to tell him no. I think he was given Jesus permission to say 
I know you can. If, if, if this is part of your will and your plan, and I'm submitting myself, submitting myself to you to the point where if you tell me no, it's okay. I know you can. That's not a question. But, but will you? That kind, of, that kind of prayer is different. And, I, and I've seen in years of ministry a lot where, and, and it's frustrated me um, to where people have been in dire situations like you guys and, and somebody representing the church has come and, and said, well, if you just pray, if you just believe enough, then, then God will heal them. And then they lose their loved one. And then they're left asking questions about, well, what did I not do right? They're left wondering, did I not pray enough? Did I not have enough faith? It's my fault my loved one died. And then having to, having to go back and correct that, I don't, I don't believe that's how God works. We pray for healing, but we, we always leave the ultimate end and the ultimate result up to him and saying, even, even if you choose to say no, Jesus, I believe, and I believe that you can, and I believe that if it's part of your plan, you will. And if you, even if you say no, it still doesn't change anything about who you are doesn't change and so um, the fact that Jesus words over you Barbara were I am willing in that case and so he just uh, did something in you that that nobody could explain and I love it when doctors come and they go mm, I've got nothing no other way to explain it um, but the but the greatest part of the story was not that that's not the greatest part. Y'all tell them the greatest part. Okay. Uh, this has been about 22 years ago when this happened. We were thinking about it. And uh, after we got home and got back to normal life, uh, our church, this church, was in a program called Faith. Some of you are familiar with it, some are not. It's a program where you learn how to share your faith with other people. Uh, and it's a very intense program, a weekly thing. And, and we both talked about it and we decided to get involved in it. And it's not just sitting there, study, read the book, pray about it, go on. You actually got up and went house to house and shared with people. And uh, he had a team of three, and he went out and da da da, and did all these things. And it was tough. It was tough. And one of the tough things about it was you, as a participant, you had to write out a form or, or a note explaining your defining moment that you accepted Christ as your Savior. And uh, I thought I had it together, you know, I'd wrote it out and all that. And uh, same way with her, uh, but you kind of struggled with it a little bit. And, but there came that moment, that day. Uh, it was in 2003, April. Tim was up for preaching. And uh, I felt like I was the only one in this entire congregation sitting right there. And he was looking at me, talking to me. And that's what it felt like, you know. Uh, and I knew right then and there, I'm not a Christian. 
I had to be. I, I needed to go up here, and I did. And at that time, I was a deacon of this church. And uh, that was kind of embarrassing, but I knew what I had to do. That's right. Brother. And uh, so I did it. And I'm thankful for it. I'm grateful for it. And uh, that was in t 2003. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I drove her nuts. Uh, after that, you know, I, I kind of did more Bible studies, things like that. And uh, it drove her crazy, you know. You know, she she thought I was being super religious and all that stuff, but no. And but, but, but. you know, I, I I really did think I was a Christian. I taught Sunday school. I you know I did whatever, and I thought I was doing a fine job. You know, I was well. But you know, after the aneurysm, I don't know. And after faith and writing that testimony, I, I remember I struggled. I str I thought I just can't go back. I just I don't know why people just have no problem writing it. I just, I just, this is tough, really, really tough. I finally wrote it somehow. I'm not sure exactly what I said, but I really honestly thought I was still a Christian. But I would go to bed at night, and that was my big thing. I'd get there, and I'd start asking myself, are you really? Do you really believe? And I would talk myself into, yes, I do. But one Sunday, and I was sitting, I think, in the exact same seat where you, where you were, and Tim, it was Easter Sunday, and Tim, Tim did a message. And it hit me just like it did him. But, but I thought, you know, I, I just, I've been a Christian, I thought, forever. I can't walk up there and tell people I'm not a Christian. They're, you know, this just can't happen. So if I can get through this, if, if we can get through them singing the song, then I'll be okay and I can leave. And we did. We got through that song and Tim looked out and said, you know, in my heart, I know somebody needs to accept Christ as their personal Savior. Praise God, he said mm. that. Mm. And I did accept Christ as my Savior. And oh my goodness, what a difference I felt in my life immediately. Mm. Instant peace, instant hope. You know, and I had faith, I believed, and it was, it was powerful. And then the healing thing, I'm thinking, wow, you know, if God had not healed me, you know, I wouldn't have gone to heaven. I was, I was not a Christian. Mm -hmm. So just huge praises. And, you know, I got to see my kids graduate from school. I got to to see my grandbabies, two of them are with us now, and we, we were just so thrilled, and we're so thrilled that, that we got to, I got to see them, and salvation is a wonderful, powerful thing, and I just praise God, I praise him for the healing, but I really praise him for the salvation, mm. just praise, praise, praise God, amen. God is wonderful, we serve a mighty, mighty God. Mm. Amen, amen, awesome, will you guys tell Barbara and David thank you so much, thank you guys. y'all so much um you know i think as we as we wrap up this morning you know david and barbara's story if you if you know for those of you that have known them you've known that it's it's a miraculous medical story um barbara what wasn't even i mean i her doctors even told her after she went home that there would be struggles for the rest of her life and Almost all of those things they told her that she would struggle with, she, she has zero problem with. It's not even an issue. Um, and so it's, it's like the most complete healing, uh, one of the most complete healing stories I've ever, I've ever known. Um, and so that's, that's something amazing. That's something to really be grateful for. 
And, and, but I believe that Jesus wants to use stories like Barbara to do the same thing that he wanted to use the healings that he performed when he was here on earth. Not just, not just to, to show off or not just to, to that end, but to point to something greater. And what both David and Barbara experienced was that work of Jesus, that physical healing that he brought in Barbara's life was for a greater purpose to bring spiritual life to both of them. Because as much as Barbara's body was dead on that tennis court, they're spiritual. Spiritually, they were both dead. And so <laughs> Jesus literally raised her up physically so that he could bring her from death to life spiritually. And so he could do that for David as well. And so I just, um, I don't want us to leave this morning without giving the opportunity. There may be somebody here this morning who, who feels, can identify very much with how Barbara and David felt. Man, you're just raised in the church. You come, you do your thing, and you just, it's very easy to just fall into the pattern and feel like I've got everything in place and not know what a relationship with Jesus really means. And I can't, I can't tell you that. I can't do like a surgeon did with Barbara and go inside and, and, and tell you what the state of things are in your heart. That's something only the Holy Spirit does. And every time we're gathered here together, we believe that the Holy Spirit is working, that he's doing things. And so this morning, maybe you thought you were coming just to hear a story about a, a crazy, wild, miraculous healing. And that's great. But that's not the greatest miracle in David and Barbara Evans' life. It's their salvation. And, and that's the greatest miracle story that any of us have. And so maybe you're here this morning and you, you're like, man, I, I know what that feels like. I feel like that right now. Like realizing, hmm, there's something missing. Uh, I've done all of the things that I see everybody else do, but... When, when Barbara was challenged to, to write down the story of how she came into a relationship with Jesus, it was hard because she couldn't because she had no relationship. And they struggled. They were in leadership. David was a deacon. And those things come through your head. Well, I can't do that. I can't, oh, I can't make a profession of faith and tell people that I've never really been a Christian. Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. And there would be nothing that would, that would thrill the heart of this pastor or anybody else in here than for you to finally come into a relationship with Jesus that's real and true. It's not based on things or activities or any of that, but it's based on your understanding of, of who Jesus is and what he did for you and that drawing of the Holy Spirit into a genuine relationship with Jesus. And so I want us to pray this morning. If you'll bow your heads as we, we're gonna go into a time of invitation. The musicians are gonna come and, and we just wanna open this time to you. If you, uh, if you identify with Barbara and David this morning and you realize 
man, as great as, as that story is, um, I'm just as dead, maybe not in my body and in my brain, but in my heart. And I need Jesus to, to resurrect me. I need Jesus to raise me to life in him. You can do that this morning. And the Bible says that we do it simply by believing in Jesus as the Son of God, that we believe and repent. That we understand the story of the gospel, that, that the whole story that we see in the Bible is the story of God reconciling and bringing his people back to himself. And the greatest, the greatest moment in that story is when the Son of God comes in the incarnate Jesus, God in flesh, came and lived a perfect life and died the death of a criminal, took on the punishment for the sins of all of us so that if we trust in him and believe that we may be saved. And in that trust in him that we, that we reach out with our lives, not, not giving our lives to God, hoping that he'll give us eternal life in return, but because eternal life is a free gift, because salvation is something that he gives us freely by his grace, that we in turn repent of our sin, we turn away from the thing that we've been bound to forever. And we, and we pursue him with all of our heart with all of our mind, with all of our life. But it's in that belief, it's in that moment of trust that that transformation happens in us. And that's something only the Holy Spirit can do. And so Lord, we just pray this morning that as we're gathered in this place, if you're working in someone's heart, if you are bringing about that new life for the very first time in them because they are praying right now and they're asking you to forgive them of their sins, that they understand and believe that you're real and that you came and lived and died and rose from the grave so that they could be in a relationship with you. And they ask for your forgiveness and they ask you to, to make them new. That as they're doing that, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the boldness during this song to, to step out and come forward and share that with me, God. Not to be worried about what anybody would think, but to tell another miracle story of how you raised them from death to life Lord if there's someone here that just has a burden God maybe we we just have something we need to bring before you and lay down at this altar we, this altar is always open every single time we gather for folks to come and pray before you and we we invite them to do that. If they want to join our church, we want them to do that, Father. But we just want your will to be done in our lives before we leave this place this morning. And so as we sing, give us the courage to, to hear you and to respond however you lead this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.